I've watched that poem several times now, and every time it just strikes at the heart and soul and uh, reminds me that there is a history in this country that in many ways we are just now starting to tell, not just as a paragraph in a textbook, but to really tell and to bear witness to. And so I hope you uh, felt a little something with that poem. As you heard on June 19th, 1865, Union Major General Gordon Granger arrived in Galveston, Texas with his troops. He arrived with the news that the Confederates were defeated two months earlier when Robert E. Lee surrendered to General Ulysses S. Grant. The Civil War had ended. Granger also brought news that two years earlier in 1863, the Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation was given by President Abraham Lincoln freeing the slaves in the United States. This news came as a surprise to many. They continued to own slaves in Texas. The slaves continued to work and slaveholders that returned did not inform the slaves of their freedom. And it's no wonder that it did take two years for the Emancipation Proclamation to be heard throughout the United States. There was a civil war. Knowing this, Granger brought General Order Number 3, which stated, the people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality. I'm gonna repeat this line here. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves. And the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor. And just like that, Juneteenth was born. The following year in 1866, community, communities in Galveston celebrated the news reaching Texas, the last bastion of slavery in the United States. And from there, the celebration spread throughout the country and yes, even to communities across the world. As of a few days ago, Juneteenth is now a federal holiday. It's the first addition to the list of federal holidays since MLK Junior Day. Uh, was acknowledged by President Ronald Reagan, and he signed it into law in 1983. And so here it is, a holiday where we pause, observe, and confront our history. But there's something more to Juneteenth I want to lift up today. Many of us are really good at confronting history, observing it, of absorbing the weight of oppressive history and events. But this weekend, this new federal holiday didn't require the president's signature for communities across the country to already celebrate it. And they are celebrating. There is joy and gladness. Houston, Texas has an annual parade that would be happening if it weren't for the COVID-19 pandemic. But even then, there's free concerts, spotlights on local Black businesses and art exhibits. Atlanta, Georgia holds its annual parade and music festival over three days, along with the usual festivities of food and drum circles and art. Charleston, South Carolina has its own celebration, uh, but with the influence of the Gullah people, African-Americans who live in the Low Country and speak their own distinct Creole language. Philadelphia has a parade. Los Angeles has an event designed to educate, entertain, and I, I love this piece, to activate, featuring art, ideas, and performance. Milwaukee has a parade. Brooklyn hosts a summit with music and lectures. If I kept listing parades, we'd be here all day. 
And if you think Lexington, Kentucky is left off of the list, no, there are celebrations and events here as well. From open mic nights at the Plantary um, to the Plantary hosting an educational event to an observance at African Cemetery number one, uh, number two, I apologize, uh, and food showcased from local Black-owned restaurants across our city. Did you know that a member of this congregation, Marilyn Dishman, was instrumental in seeing Juneteenth celebrated in our city? There's two points here in this list of celebrations that I want to make. First, it's really a question. Did you know these events were happening? I don't expect anyone to know what's happening in Los Angeles unless you go there regularly. But what about here in Lexington? <clears throat> Did you look? And I need to level with you about Juneteenth. I didn't know about Juneteenth until I was in college. I feel like college was when I was finally filled in, uh, filling in the glaring gaps in my high school education. But it's taken a while to even make it something I think about regularly. But in asking if you've even bothered to look it up at least, it's not a question to instill guilt. Please, just, just don't with the guilt. There's a reason we are no longer Puritans, right? The question is instead to foster intentionality. And perhaps that is something we will all participate in now that this is entering not just the consciousness of several communities, but the consciousness of a nation. The second point, again, doesn't really center on if this is a federal holiday. No, it is, of course, and that's important. But what's even more important is to notice that this day was celebrated before it was in the news this weekend. It was celebrated before Congress shockingly made something happen together. It was celebrated and noticed and loved and made holy by countless people, generations of people. Once it was known, the whole country was freed from the ugliness of slavery. And it's in that celebration I want us to discover this day. Now, have you ever been to a so-called celebration of a justice issue, cause, et cetera, and wondered, are we, what on earth are we even celebrating here? Have you ever gone to a celebration that struck a monotonous, self-flagellating tone? A celebration where it was obvious there was no joy to be had. There was no celebratory atmosphere whatsoever. I've been to plenty. And even if it wasn't an event described as a celebration, have you wondered where the joy and hope is in certain events, protests, acts of witness, injustice? I know, I know I have. And let's get this out of the way real quick. There are times for solemnity, right? There's times for pain, for grief, for anger. There are times to deal gently with one another. This will always be true. And because this is a both and conversation, not an either or conversation, I look to weekends such as this one. Black communities across our country are holding the tension of remembering the past, stewarding the present, and celebrating. I can almost hear someone out there somewhere in the world going, but, but there is so much to do. How can we even pause to celebrate something? And that's true, there is. And yet parades full of music, dancing, floats, costumes, glitter, candy, balloons, and even your local dentist's office marching down the street are joyfully adorning the main streets of our country nationwide. Joy was remembered this weekend. 
celebration was had, successes were lifted up. The work is never forgotten in communities fighting for liberation, but look to any community that has sustained its efforts and you'll see an ethic of joy, gratitude, and celebration. I guess this is really what my worry is. I say this worrying not just about all of you as a congregation, but really about, I guess, progressive people in general. And maybe I'm seeing something no one else is. Maybe the problem really is the circles I frequent, which is, to be honest, mostly Unitarian Universalist. I worry that progressive Americans are forgetting what joy is, what celebration is, what a sense of playfulness and curiosity is and can be in the work of justice. I don't think it's completely lost, but I do think it's often an afterthought. I don't need to rattle off the statistics about how overworked Americans are, how frantic Americans are, how anxiety is only increasing and how could it not after the year we've had. And if you need those numbers, they are a Google search away and they keep getting worse. Knowing this, we, and, and I mean, those of you here, Unitarian Universalists, are a people that still care deeply about so many things. We want to be of use in the world. We want to make a difference. We want to live our values, to get right into the mess and to get something done. And for our tradition, justice work is an imperative. We are definitely a people who live out the old maxim of faith without works is dead. I, by my works, will show you my faith. It's right there in the original seven principles, and it's definitely there in the eighth principle we've adopted. All of this can lead to a cycle of work, 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 and more work. The language of work feels like it's in everything that we do. And it leaves me wondering what else is there to look forward to if not more work. And so for me, I need to choose a different way. I need to break the cycle. I need to remember joy and celebration. I need to look to communities seeking liberation and take note of their gladness, their moments of Sabbath rest and jubilee, and how they weave together justice and joy. I need to look to parts of my own community, the LGBTQ community, and notice that as well. Pride is about celebration amidst the fight for liberation. I need to remember that I need to stop talking about justice in a way that robs marginalized communities of their joy and robs me of my own joy in the pursuit of justice as well. Now, this might be hard to say. <laughs> I find myself fighting it, but justice isn't just about what's wrong in the world. And I would even argue, probably just with myself, right, that it's not solely about what's wrong in the world. It doesn't begin with what's wrong. It shouldn't be anchored in that. What joy is there to be found in a movement that is anchored in what's terrible and awful? No, I believe justice is about vision. It's about liberation. It's about celebrating every move toward liberation. Yes, there'll be moments of trauma and grief. Yes, there's a lot of evil and injustice in our world. This is not being glossed over. Weeping may endure a night. There are always times for this. But when our devotion to justice that word devotion gives it a different tone, a different flavor than the word work. Work is something you clock in and out of. Devotion is where the love comes in. When our devotion to justice 
is anchored in liberation, in freedom, in the joy of human beings seeking and achieving equity, even amidst the continued weight of the world. <laughs> when there is that joy, a joy that runs deep, a joy that anchors and grounds us, a joy that reminds us that even amidst the, the, the tears and the anger, our hope will not be destroyed. That is a movement that will endure the trials of the world. There will always be something wrong. That's just the world we inhabit. That Try as we may, human beings keep mucking it all up. We can't waste our lives pretending perfection is possible, but we can devote ourselves to an ever unfolding story of liberation. When justice becomes a narrative and not a to-do list, there is room for that joy, for celebration, for parades in the street, for cookouts in the backyard, for gathering family and friends, for telling stories, for crying, for laughing, for hugging just as they've happened this past weekend, for cracking a smile and laughing and connecting. The Joy and Justice collaboration in Chicago puts it this way. Nourishing the roots of social justice with joy isn't about making it comfortable enough to take inspired action. Joyful justice is the practice of allowing our discomfort to anchor us back to our purpose. Devotion to purpose creates joy. Behind the turns of phrase there, there it is. Centering joy and celebration isn't about making justice agreeable. It should still be uncomfortable. It should still unsettle us. It should still give us days of anguish and anger and crying out in the streets, but we cannot anchor ourselves solely in the anguish. And so because we're Unitarian Universalists, I am as always as your minister at an odd place. I can tell you, and you should know this because I tell you often, that our history is one where our purpose is clear. Worth, dignity, the building of human character, the goal of democracy and freedom, the interdependent web, seeking spiritual wholeness, dismantling oppression in ourselves and our institutions, you know the key words of our principles. They are principles in that they give shape to our shared life as a religious people, but I wonder if they are our purposes as well. And for us, not really a source of devotion and love and liberation, but a reminder of what we individually hold as that source of love and devotion in the work of liberation. Because that's where I need all of us to go. I can tell you the history, I can tell you our principles, but as you use, I need you to find that source, that individual source for you. Yes to our history, yes to our principles, yes to all of that, but at the end of the day, what anchors you as a justice-seeking person? What gives you joy in your efforts? When have you last celebrated with others in the work of justice? They're worthy questions and questions that I can't answer for you, but questions I believe we all need to answer. It would be so easy to let justice just be work and more work. It would also be easy to compartmentalize justice, to pretend it's something we dust off and look at every now and then. For Christian siblings, and they would look to the gospels for answers here. For Unitarian Universalists, we look to our shared ethics and our shared principles. And in looking at our principles, I see a call to liberation, a call to devotion, a call to love, 
a call to celebrate this life, to find joy. And that is what anchors me. That is what guides me. That is what gives me hope. And that is what sustains me. A concrete example of this is from this past week when BUILD, Building a United Interfaith Lexington through direct action, officially welcomed us as members of the organization. Their leadership was joyful and extravagant in their welcome. But beyond that, it was a celebration of their efforts, of their devotion that past year. And I can only imagine what it's like in person because virtually sharing in that joy was palpable. It was powerful. So we need to look to this day, this weekend, this celebration in our nation's history. We need to look to the communities celebrating it. Look to their joy. Discover what joy means for us in our devotion to justice and remember it. Remember that while justice is about uh, that, that, that while justice is about what is not working in our world, what's broken, what is in need of healing and repair, it needs to be anchored in a sustaining hope that gives everybody room for rest, renewal, joy, and celebration. There will be those moments of anger. There will be those moments of weeping and crying and shouting and calling out our elected leaders, speaking truth to power. And yet we need to be reminded that we do need those moments of rest and renewal and recharging and, and discovering just what we've accomplished, what other communities have accomplished, what we are accomplishing together. So that is what I offer you this Juneteenth. If you want to choose only anger to anchor your justice work, that's great, that's fine. I'm choosing hope. I'm choosing joy and celebration knowing that there's always more to do, there's always more repair in this world, there's always more brokenness, there's always gonna be pain and suffering, and yet I need to find those moments with others, with the oppressed, with the marginalized, those communities seeking liberation. Find those moments to shout joyfully into the streets. And so, a happy Juneteenth to all of you. It's a holiday, a holy day, a remembrance that's been celebrated for generations before any president or any Congress ever made it sanctified or holy in our country. And so may you find what joy means to you in justice. Blessed be. Amen. <laughs>